I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky Brisbane. How are we feeling out there? <laughs> All right, thank you so much for coming out. It's Father's Day today. Any dads in? <laughs> what do you mean, my, my key demographic? Dads? Isn't it? All right, no worries. Well, thank you so much for coming out and thanks for dishing your dad and hanging out with me today. So what happens on this show is uh, I've read a classic book so you don't have to. Each week I talk two guests through such a classic. You're ready to meet your guests tonight. Well, would you please put your hands together and welcome to the stage tonight. We've got Luke Heggie and Chris Reiner here. Yeah. Hello, hello. Hello, Dave. How are you? What a treat. We're so well. Sorry. Yeah, good. We're just balancing our beers in the Putting the, the beers weird, up on the beer shelf. In the weird ancient window. On the show, I, I talk you through a classic book. Are you in, Are you big readers now? Have you ever been in your life? I have been. I studied literature, but I won't remember a thing. Oh, okay. Uh, and I've stopped reading, but I'm trying to start again. It was an attention span thing during COVID. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to get it back. But what, so the English literature, like you've, you've studied a lot of classics then? Yeah, a few. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that might come in handy tonight. How about you, Luke? Uh, I used to read a lot more than I do. Having a family puts a damper on that because your name gets yelled as soon as you open a book. <laughs> so that's not gone, but I, I, I do resent people getting read to like babies on those pr- uh, apps. I know people do it, you know, follow your dreams, but <laughs> I'm not walking around doing that. I prefer to just read a book. But I get a few pages in on my sleep, so not much <laughs> at the moment. Three pages at a time. Well, yeah. I've read a book. Can you believe that? Congratulations. Incredible. But I only started this show because I used to be a big reader. Dropped out every year to have the New Year's resolution. I'm going to read more. I'm going to read more. And then I get to, you know, end of January. I hadn't read a single word. So and I thought I'd start a podcast where I have to read a book. Yep. That will keep yeah. me honest. That's and here we are. Episode 91 or something. 91? Fuck. One book a week. 91 well, weeks. Well, I, I do a couple of months and then every now and then I take three or four months off. Yeah. <laughs> I come back. I'm not that great with resolutions. I'm not that great. But uh, this week we're talking about a book. Uh, This book is called Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Ooh, anyone heard of that? No. No. I mean, the dads would have loved this one. Honestly, you should have brought your dads along. Mm. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. How about you guys? Is that ringing any bells? Heard of it, but not uh, read it. Yeah, I haven't read it. Didn't come up in the the literature course? No, it didn't. Um, But... A friend of mine read it, or, or maybe, yeah, read it and saw that maybe there was a movie as well. Yes, there is. Oh, that'll do that. And, um, <laughs> and said it was deeply sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, honestly, it's not that sad. It's, okay. it's, it's a very sentimental book. Sentimental. So I'll strap yourselves into that on this Sunday afternoon. Now, um, 
I remember a while. The reason I've, I've picked this book is it's very hard to pivot with uh, with the podcast where you have to read a full book. I picked this book because I thought my uh, podcast partner in crime, Matt Stewart, was going to be a guest on the show today. And a few years ago, I don't know if anyone remembers on Do Go On, our other podcast, he mentioned that growing up, his grandparents had three videos on tape. Yeah. And they were The Wizard of Oz, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and Goodbye, Mr. Chips. And he said they only ever watched The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> So he didn't even get around to watching it. He didn't just saw it on the yeah, shelf. He, went, he was like, nah, and here that we looks, are. yeah. Even okay. with an option of three, it looked yeah. that dull. <laughs> and that's what I've picked for you all today. So, yeah, all those movies came out in 1939, and I told Matt that one day I'd do the book, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. This one is for him. And also, uh, people can suggest the books. I've got a, a link in the description of this episode if anyone at home wants to suggest a book. And this one's been suggested by one person other than Matt Stewart. A big shout out to someone calling themselves Dog Marta. From Vancouver in Canada, are you in tonight, Dogmata? <laughs> there you go. Dogmata wrote, you said you would and you have not done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so Dogmata, here I am, I'm living up to it. That is one thing that podcast listeners will not forgive is broken promises. Yeah, like they have got long memories and they're vindictive. That's yeah. my <laughs> Yeah, they do not forgive or forgive. Yeah. So I'll tell you a bit about uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. It's a 1934 novel by English writer James Hilton. Hilton was a very popular writer in his day and also wrote Lost Horizon, which is best remembered for the origin of the concept of Shangri-La. So yeah, he okay. came up with Shangri-La. He also wrote screenplays and won an Academy Award for Mrs. Minerva in 1942. And early in his career, he wrote a, a book called Murder at School under the great pen name Glenn Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I love with a pen name you can pick anything he chose Glenn Trevor either of you ever tried to use a, a nom de plume for anything you do uh, or of a rebrand not a rebrand no but yeah when I'm you know up to no good um, oh okay my name is often Bevan McMurkin <laughs> Bevan not McMurkin. even up to no good just mailing this shit like that you don't want your real name on that like you've got to give a name for something you want to have to give a name Bevan, Bevan McMurkin, McMurkin. <laughs> he sounds He's done some bad stuff online. <laughs> Beware of Bev. Okay. Will I have to beat that for the recording? Bev and McMurkin? No, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. No. No, be right. This comes up quite a bit, but the one rebrand I tried to do was in... Uh, so they already know... They know what I'm going to tell them. Was uh, in year eight at school, I tried to get everyone to call me Cobra. Excellent. That was... A self-appointed nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the worst things. <laughs> it it was did. not successful. I'll tell you, yeah. Of course not. Why'd you choose that? I thought it sounded pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah, God. Yep. I was going through my... I was a bad boy, you know, going through my bad boy era. Amazing. A guy I know once told me, he goes, my name's Gordon, but you can... Everyone calls me Turbo, you can call me Turbo. (laughs) No. (laughs) You can call me... I'm calling you Gordon, you (laughs) dickhead. Turbo, I love it. All right, so the story we're talking about today was written under his own name, not Glenn Trevor. It was hugely popular on release, putting James Hilton on the map and has been adapted for the silver screen four times. The first and most enduring in 1939, starring Robert Denart and Greer Garson. And that's the video that Matt refused to watch all those years ago. So, There's been more, like four, four two, three yeah. remakes, sorry. There's been one in the last 20 years, hasn't there? Yeah, there what? was. I think it might have been a, a TV adaptation. And then there was also one of the 60s where they decided to make it a musical. Oh, so you can imagine that. Mm. 
All right, I always start with the opening line to give you a bit of the author's words. Right. Uh-huh. To, to get a bit of feel for, for the work of uh, James Hilton. So this is the opening paragraph. When you were getting on in years, but not ill, of course, you get very sleepy at times. And the hours seem to pass like lazy cattle moving across a landscape. It was like that for chips. As the autumn term progressed and the day shortened till it was actually dark enough to light the gas before callover. For chips, like some old sea captain, still measured time by the signals of the past. And we're off. Right. So Mr. Chips isn't a dog. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> that was your it's prediction? Like... Goodbye. The goodbye, Mr. Chips is the dog? Yeah, it's like a dog dying, sort of. Like a... <laughs> no, it is. Our, it's our main character. It's very much a man. All right. Full name, Mr. Chippington. Oh, okay. And he tried to do a rebrand as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> chips. I mean, who doesn't love a chip? You know. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> but now he's an 85-year-old retired school teacher who's still affectionately called Mr. Chips. Oh. Can you get too old for a nickname? Well, yeah. Can you be an 85-year-old Turbo? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the Turbo's idea of that, actually. I mean, we're all going to get older if we're lucky. Yeah, but nicknames right? shouldn't. You don't reckon? Well, Mr. Chips. I, yeah, I know, I grew up in a different era, but fuck... If I had a teacher called Mr. Chips, he would have been bullied. Yeah. Well, no question. His left arm would be ribbons by 4pm every day. Well, for decades he taught at a private school for boys in South East England called Brookfield. But now Chips lives across the road in a room in a house of a lady called Mrs. Wicket. And a doctor comes by and tells him that he's in good health and has made it to an age where he's outlived all the horrible diseases. Which I'm not sure if it actually works like that. But he tells Chips, you're healthy. But on the way out, the doctor tells Mrs. Wicket to keep him out of the cold as his lungs are very weak. Chips was born in 1848 and he's 85 now, it's 1933, and his mind is full of memories and we sort of flash back to a couple, nearly all based around the school. Now, he started teaching at Brookfield in 1870 when he was just 22 years old and at first he was a bit of a grumpy young man. He's getting less grumpy as he's got older. He struggled with discipline and keeping the kids in line, so he was a bit on edge on the first day and he walks in and they're all sitting there in front of him and when one kid accidentally dropped the lid of his desk, he's like, right, that's it, a hundred lines. <laughs> just sort of loses it. Yeah. And the kid's like, oh, okay. Like, you just did a sneeze just right then. He would have lost it at that. He would have hated that. <laughs> so he's very over the top, on edge. He's not a confident young teacher. But the young chips quickly realised that the university he went to and the connections he had to upper society weren't good enough for him to ever to progress to become a principal. So it turns out it's uh, both what you know and who you know that matters and he knows nothing and knows no one. Right. So he accepts very early on, I'm just going to be a teacher. And he didn't think that perhaps his skills were related to the fact that he didn't get further in life. He, he thought it was about the school you went to and the yeah, people Yeah, that's right, had. yeah. Right. The two most important things, as we all know. <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> Well, the book's right, he accepts this, and at f- this is what it says, at 40, he was rooted. <laughs> Settled and quite happy. At 50, he was the doyen of the staff. At 60, under a new and youthful head teacher, he was Brookfield, the guest of honour at old Brookfeldian dinners. At 65, he retired. However, after an unexpected turn of events, he would soon be teaching back at Brookfield. What could possibly happen? Bit of foreshadowing there. That's good writing. That's good writing. <laughs> But now 85, he's still heavily involved with the school and the students, both old and new, come by and visit to have a tea with him at Mrs Wicket's place. He mixes together these elaborate tea concoctions and always has cake on hand. And at 5pm he always wraps up the conversation by saying, well, uh, 
It's been very delightful meeting you like this, but uh, I'm sorry you can't stay. I'm terrible at leaving a conversation or an event. Do you have any way that you wrap up? Wrap Is that up what he says? Someone? He kicks people out by saying, sorry you can't sorry, stay. Sorry you can't stay. All right. Puts, wow. puts, it, puts it back on them. Yeah, right. Very good. Bloke I know used to walk out, like we'd be at his house when I was, you know, in Brisbane, as a te- like late teenager, having a party. He'd walk out in his pyjamas. After all, if you had, you know, party's over. Like he wouldn't even say anything. Party's <laughs> over. Oh, we got to go. You see, the PJs are bad. out, you've got to go. Yeah. You've got to go. Well, he's doing that at 5pm. Yeah, okay. One day one of the boys leaves and says, quite a character, the old boy, isn't he? All that fuss about mixing the tea, a typical bachelor if ever there was one. But the narrator jumps in and tells us, this is not true. (laughs) He says, quote, Chips was not a bachelor at all. He had married, though it was so long ago that none of the staff at Brookfield could remember his wife. Flashback. Amazing. We're back in 1896. So, are you reading the book? You've read the book. I've read the book. book? Can you believe this is a condensed summary of the book? (laughs) It's story time. Yeah. It doesn't say in the script of the book, flashback. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it did. That would be amazing. It just suddenly went back in 1896. Chips is 48 years old. He's just been made a house master at the school. So not quite principal, but he's looking after the the boarding students. So he has has made it. He's made it a bit. During the summer holidays, he went up to the Lake District in England with a colleague for a week of hiking. But the colleague was called back to town unexpectedly and Chips stayed on on his own. And one day when climbing on a mountain called Great Gable, he noticed a girl waving excitedly from a dangerous-looking ledge. Thinking she was in some sort of strife, he quickly headed towards her, but in doing so, he himself slipped and badly rolled his ankle. <laughs> it turns out the woman was, uh, that he was rescuing was in fact fine and just waving to a friend behind him. Uh. Which is it's already the most embarrassing thing in the world if you wave at someone and then you, you realise they're waving back. But and it's even worse if you've gone to rescue them and then you break your ankle. <laughs> <laughs> He stacked it so bad that the two women had to come over and help him back to his accommodation. And the woman that he went to help, her name is Catherine. She was uh, 25 years old, so a lot younger than Chips, who was 48. He didn't have any interest in her at first because the narrator says, quote, he did not, he would have said, care for women. He never felt at home or at ease with them. And that monstrous creature beginning to be talked about, the new woman of the 90s, filled him with horror. The new woman of the 1890s. (laughs) Can you imagine? He would have hated my guts. Do you see yourself as a new woman of the 1890s? Easily. (laughs) If they wore pants and swore a lot. Um, Bit of a character, like a bit of a sad figure. Yeah, already. Well, it's not even old age. He's pretty sad already, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Does he mention bashing kids? <laughs> no, he doesn't really bash them. He just, uh, he just uh, makes him write lines on the board. That's it. No. Yeah, okay. But I mean, he, he might. I don't know. Yeah. They left that bit out. It's quite sentimental. <laughs> yeah, but they openly talked about it. In, in, I mean, they're still bashing kids up until I finish school. Yeah, actually, you're right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, lines is pretty weak. Well, it, they do actually mention also the kids getting the rod. Now you mention it, right? Yeah, I'm not I'd sure. What they don't the, say what they do the with the rod, which is worrying. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they're probably he is, he is probably bashing the shit out of some kids as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's met Catherine. 
she's a new woman of the 1890s, and he's like, this is and not for me. And half his age. And half his age, yeah. yeah terrific, terrific. <laughs> and he's already exposed himself as an unco. Yeah, right yeah. In front of us. <laughs> so embarrassing. Yes. If she likes him, this, the I'd world's like. gone mad. Mm. Yeah. You're, you're, not pred- you're predicting that this will fail? No, it's obviously <laughs> going to be something. Yeah, yeah. This is his wife, isn't it? Yeah, but he managed to outlive her, so it's not going to be great, is it? Well, she left. Yeah, yeah well, she left. Did she? Yeah, she ran off with someone yeah. her age. Well, maybe she had another incident with a cliff later <laughs> on, <wasn't it>? <laughs> <laughs> So this, this is what else it says. It says, He was a quiet, conventional person, and the world, viewed from the haven of Brookfield, seemed to have seemed to him full of distasteful innovations and there was this new craze for bicycling which was being taken up by women equally with men. And he's not a fan. In bicycling in general. Catherine considered herself responsible for Chips's accident so she rode her radical new bicycle <laughs> to visit him every day to look after him and at first he was not impressed. It says, quote, because she rode a bicycle and was unafraid to visit a man alone in a farmhouse sitting room, he wondered vaguely what the world was coming to. (laughs) (laughs) She had some pretty radical political ideas, including that women should be allowed to vote. Can you believe this? Mm. Have you heard about this? (laughs) (laughs) First time you're hearing about it. Over the days, he began to look forward to her visits, however, and she had similar trepidations for this older conservative man at first, whom she assumed would be a boring old man. But she grew fond of their time together, and the book says that within a week, they were head over heels in love, quickly got engaged, and were married in London. I'd be interested to know if the book sheds any light on why she changed her mind, because currently I still think he's boring and conservative. Yeah, it doesn't really say why she... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's guilt. She was guilty about his accident. That was it. That's all you need sometimes. <laughs> yeah, relationship to keep, that, keep that in the back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime you know they have a fight, he just starts tapping his ankle, yeah. going, "Huh? <laughs> Remember this? Remember what you did to me <laughs> by waving at your friend?" <laughs> the night before the wedding, when they parted for the the night for the the final time, she said to him that she felt nervous, like one of his students starting at the school. <laughs> Hello, role play. <laughs> she asked if she, if she should call him Mr. Chips. Oh, oh here we go. Yep. And when he left for the night, she said, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Which, remember, is the title of the book. Mm. There it is. Is she a past student? Is it a boys' school, he said? It's no. just a boys' school. Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. Yeah, go on. So they, didn't, they don't know each other from that. But after their wedding, Catherine moved with him to Brookfield, the school, where she was a huge hit. Everyone loved her and noticed that she had a very positive influence on her husband. She opened his conservative mind and overall apparently made him a new man. His eyes seemed to twinkle. His confidence grew, as did his sense of humour. It says, quote, he began to make little jokes. (laughs) The sort that schoolboys like, puns that raised laughs and at the time imprinted something in their mind. This was his go-to, it says. His solid gold. Let's see how it goes here with a live crowd today. Yeah. This is his, one of his solid classics. Whenever his Roman history forms came to deal with Lex Canula, the law that permitted patricians to marry plebeians, Chips used to add... <clears throat> so that, you see, if Miss Plebs wanted Mr. Patrician to marry her and he said he couldn't, she probably replied, Oh, yes, you can, you liar. Quote, 
Roars of laughter. <laughs> That's good stuff. That, is un- that was good back then. A hundred years later, that is good stuff. Roars of laughter. If Miss Plebs want Mr. Patrician, oh yes you can, you liar. <laughs> is this thing on? Great stuff. She's just heavy lifted his boring personality into the next century. Exactly. Yeah, I think she's given him some personality yeah. where before he had none. Yeah. And now he's got some people like, my God, this guy's amazing. Was he yeah. good in the sack? Like, is that what it's about? I was despite reading between the lines. Against absolutely. all odds. Against all exactly. You know, despite the appearances. Despite the broken ankle. Mm. He was able to... sad sack <laughs> nature. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's... He's a great root. It said before he was rooted. By his 40s, he was rooted. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. He lost his virginity at 48. Okay, finally with you now. Finally. <laughs> he still commanded respect, but Catherine persuaded him to broaden his horizons and loosen his rules in the classroom. She came up with the idea that the students from a mission run by the school that they raised money for, so they raised money for this, this mission school, but had no contact with, she said they, they should come up to Brookfield to play a soccer match against the private boys from Brookfield and the very conservative school rallied against this all the board were like we can't have these uncouth poor students coming to Brookfield <laughs> yeah yeah we can raise some money for them but they can never come to the school but Catherine pushed hard and got Mr Chips on board and the boys from the mission were allowed to come up and the day was a great success years later in one of our flash forwards during World War One one of the students from the mission comes to visit Mr Chips and tells him that his memories of the soccer match were some of the best of his entire life. Which is sad, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, that's the sad bit your friend was that talking is, about. Oh. That a soccer match was the best thing of How this guy's that, life. Yeah. This guy sucks. <laughs> he just, really does. so bad. I hope he gets it's better. I hope he's just a better bloke when it's he's hard. older. I doubt it. Well, the now-grown man asked Chips how his wife Catherine is. So she, she made a great impression on him during that day when they played soccer. And it's only during this exchange that we learn that Catherine died only a short time later during childbirth. Oh, along God. with the child. More sadness, more sadness. Chips tells the man that he's glad to hear he too has fond memories of his wife as with the turn over from the students and other teachers, no one at Brookfield remembers Catherine at all. Tragically, a month later, Chips hears that the man who visited him was killed during the war in France. <laughs> So that soccer match really was the best day of his life. I wouldn't want to meet Chips, I don't think. You got a cross on your head then after that. Yeah. Did That's the kids survive? The baby. Mm. The no. baby, no, sadly oh, not. The baby's gone. No. Yeah. It, okay. I, I'm willing to admit it is grim. I'm willing this to admit it. It's irredeemable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. But what about that joke? Can, <laughs> you, can you liar? <laughs> We uh, get a few hints of what's to come with the war. One of Chip's memories of his students is a boy called Grayson, which uh, one day seemed to be completely out of it in class. Grayson, the boy's out of it. Chip's asked him at the end, is everything okay? Which Grayson says, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, usually a very good student, but you were sort of distracted today. But the next day, a rumour started to spread that Grayson's father had been on the Titanic. (laughs) And his fate was unknown. Thankfully... More news came through that Grayson's father had, in fact, survived the disaster, which is great news. <laughs> Chips shook, shook, his, shook his son's hand and said, you must be pretty pleased with life. But I, love the, the, I love the staunch way a mother would just go, your dad was on that boat, he's still going to school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get in there. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Try to concentrate, will you? Yeah. yeah. 
It's best not to think about it. <laughs> Here's some maths. He says, you must be pretty pleased with life. And the kid's like, yes, sir. But the chapter finishes with, with these words. It says, it was Grayson Senior, not Junior, with whom Chips was destined to later condole. Hinting at World War I was soon to come. <laughs> so we're getting a bit of feel for the book here. It's, it's, a, it's, a bit, it's, a bit, it's a bit sad, but there are some upbeat moments. And just to bring this book to life, I've got a little scene here from the 1939 movie that I was wondering if you'd be up for acting out. Sure. To give oh, us acting out or something. Like, yeah, okay. I've got, the, I've got a little, yeah. little script here, if you, if you don't mind. Right. Do we have to stand up? Or get can up we sit around, no, you can sit down if you like. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so there's two characters. There's uh, Mr. Chips, which is the lead role, and also a schoolboy. <laughs> Any preferences for either of you to, p- to play? Oh, that's, our, that's us too. That's, yeah, you can pick a role oh, you each. You pick Chris, I don't mind. I'll be Mr. Chips. You're Mr. Right. Chips? Yeah. I'll be boy. So, you're a boy. <laughs> I'll, I'll be reading uh, some stage directions here. And this is just to, to bring it... This is from the 1939 adaptation. <laughs> so, Chris, you just got to remember, what would Robert Donat do in this role? Okay. You're fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a, I'm a gifted director. Okay. okay, so I'll read out the stage directions, which is uh, Mr. Chips runs into the scene wearing his gown and carrying a walking stick. He bumps into the boy. Oh, sir. Sorry, sir. What is, it? What is this? A scrimmage? <laughs> no, sir. I'm looking for assembly. Oh, are you? So am I. Hang on to my tail. Come on. Come on. Mr. Chips rushes up some stairs and the boy follows closely behind. They get to a door, but it won't open. Locked out? Well, I'll be. Chips is annoyed but stops when the boy looks at him. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great look from boy. (laughs) Well, we'll have to wait. That's all there is to it. Then there's a bit of an awkward silence. So... You're a stinker, eh? (laughs) (laughs) A a stinker, sir? A new boy. That's what we call them here. Stinkers. What's your name? I'm Dorset, sir. You can call me Turbo. (laughs) 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 What was your... your? Cobra. Cobra. Cobra, yeah. Sorry, I should have said Cobra. That's <laughs> so great. No, I'll call you Dorset. Um, <laughs> the Duke of Dorset, I taught your father. He was late, always late. Uh, Chips points to a plaque on the wall saying, Dorset. Ancestor of yours? He points to another plaque. This one says, Francis Drake. Drake? He was here? Was he a stinker too, sir? <laughs> to be sure he was. But he grew out of it. And so will you. Are you a master, sir? I was a master once. I've taught thousands of boys, right back to 1870. But I gave it up. Gave it up 15 years ago. (laughs) I say, you must be terribly old, sir. (laughs) Well, I'm certainly no chicken. (laughs) (laughs) No chicken. (laughs) End scene. Round of applause. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> I like to say no chicken twice. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, all I, that wasn't improvisation. That was, yeah. that was in the yeah. script. Good. Love it. Good on you, mate. How, how do you feel now, now you've, uh, you've played the roles? Oh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like we just trod the planks. 
pretty well thespianism uh, at its finest. I don't know. That was beautiful. He it's seems to be, you know, want want to be fun. You know, he seems he's, he definitely is. Is it wrong to say he f- it feels like he just doesn't know? Emotional intelligence, you know, he laughs at weird things. Yeah, yeah. But then everyone else laughs too. It's such a strange yeah. world. I mean, I'm, I'm beginning to think Matt's absolutely correct in not watching this film yeah. <laughs> or reading the book. It's pretty shit. So, like, is there going to be an event or something? I know she died and stuff, but that wasn't that exciting. There's, you know, it's got to be something else. Um, can There's I not? Is there? Can I interest you in a world war? <laughs> <laughs> There's not much going on here. Oh, no, it's not going on in the world. But I mean, in the story... And but in, no, but chips, in the story, yes, not much. Chips happens. is yes. just rubbish, isn't he? Yeah. So, anyway, I'm hoping something... I hope he's got some sort of contribution to the war. He's never the protagonist. Stuff just happens to Stuff him. Stuff just happens, yeah. He cruises mm. by, really. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But back during his teaching years, <laughs> Chips continued on and became a legend of the school, popular with students, popular with staff. That is, except for one person. The new young shop principal called Ralston has been appointed to take over Brookfield. And this crusty old dean has some pretty new radical ideas that don't really fit with fuddy old Mr. Chips, Mr. Chippington. Ralston called Mr. Chips into his office and asked him to consider retirement, telling him, you're 60 and your idea of teaching is a bit old school. Mr. Chips was furious and refused to quit, but a student had been in the principal's waiting room and heard the whole thing and told his parents and other students, and soon everyone had heard of Ralston's plans to get rid of Mr. Chips. But Ralston had really underestimated Chips' popularity, and when the school board heard about it, they quietly took him aside and said, we'll back you over, Ralston, and we hope you never retire. I hope you teach until you're 100 years old. So in the end, it was Principal Ralston who soon left. So cop that, you young dog, Ralston. (laughs) Still, Chips did take some of what he said to heart, and when he turned 65, after a long bout of bronchitis, Chips decided to retire. And after 42 years, he signed off with a speech, and remember, over time, he's become a serious joker known for his jokes. So, of course, (laughs) it was hilarious. He listed the changes he'd seen over the years at the school, the introduction of gas and electricity... The first bicycle, the measles outbreak, all the hits. <laughs> he says, I rem- remember so much that I often think I ought to write a book. Now, what should I call it? Hmm. Memories of Rod and Lines, eh? <laughs> Cheers and laughter. That was a good one, people thought. One of Chips's best. So he had a reputation for violence and giving out lines. You're right. We never never heard about it, but he's known for the rod and the line, yeah. It's not fishing. And then... (laughs) (laughs) And then he thought it was hilarious. Remember that all those lines I've given out all the time? I've bashed those kids and everyone's like, yes, we remember! (laughs) He retired a legend. 
Well, that was 1913, and the next year, World War I started. And over the next couple of years, the younger teachers went off to fight in the war, and the new principal asked Mr Chips if he would consider coming back. He looked pretty fit and would be a big morale boost to the school. Chips did come back, so he was off for like, you know, 18 months or something, and then he's back in a big way. And he was more popular than ever. In fact, when the principal himself got ill and died... Oh, no. <laughs> So, yeah, all Chips does is go to funerals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, there's so many funny eulogies. There's so much death. Chips was asked if he would uh, ever take over as principal, something he agreed to, but only if they put him on as acting principal. So a man who saw himself as not educated or connected enough to ever become principal had gotten there anyway, based on the community's fondness for him and the fact that everyone else had either gone to war or died. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all that had to happen. Yeah, God. Everyone better than him had to die. Uh, the war was hard as they heard of uh, colleagues and former students being killed in action, but Chips held them all together, and we can't forget he was funny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Chris, you seeming to love this character. <laughs> I just can't believe it's turned out this yeah, way. It's grim, isn't it? It's so grim. Sucks. Grim? What about this is a description of him? Laughter, laughter wherever he went and whatever he said, there was laughter. I feel like the narrator didn't know the character. Yeah. <laughs> was he too old to go and fight or something? What happened there? Why didn't yeah, he too go old. I think he's 66 years old. Not the outbreak of World War I, though, he wouldn't have been. 48, no? Oh, no, no, he's by the end of 1930, he's retired just before World War I at 65. Oh, okay. So, okay. yeah. Beg your pardon. He's a bit old. And the world needs laughter. You can't put, yeah, them, exactly. in. You can't put them in the trenches. That's what he wrote on the, f- yeah. the form to get away. Come yeah. on. I'm a, I'm a serious comedian. The world needs this. Because it says he had earned the reputation of being a great jester and jests were expected of him. God. Not from the evidence we've seen. <laughs> old Chips was in fine form, they would say afterward. Marvellous the way he can always see the funny side of things. One day a boy approached him. He said, have you been to the new cinema, sir? They've got a Wurlitzer. And he said, and what on earth is a Wurlitzer? It's an organ, sir, a cinema organ. Chips replied, dear me, I've seen the name on the hoardings, but I always thought, imagined, it was some kind of a sausage. Laughter. (laughs) Oh, there's a new Chips joke, you fellows. A perfectly lovely one. Did he say that himself? (laughs) No, that's a... That was a narrator. That was the narrator saying, Narrators? done it again. Oh, the r- but he did say, I, you know, I've, I should write a book. Maybe this is his book where it he really feels bigs like himself up as the, the funniest guy in the world. <laughs> it feels like whoever did write this book couldn't find a way of translating that humour to the page. Yeah. I mean, can you liar? <laughs> you can't come up with a better joke than that with the word organ already in the set. Yeah, you, you get a fucking problem with yeah. comedy. I'll show you organs. Yeah. Some, 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 oh, sorry, I don't know. Whatever, I don't know. Yeah. Anything, nearly anything. You're trying else. to punch up Mr. Chips. Whispering <laughs> in his ear. It needs something. Well, on the day World War I ended, November 11, 1918, there were great celebrations across the school, and on that day, Mr. Chips retired for the second and final time. His work was done, and he was then 70 years old. And with that, we are back at the start of the book in 1933. The now 85-year-old Mr Chips looks back on his life. Remember, he's invincible. He can't get any diseases from this yeah. point. He's Don't feeling come back good. for one last job. 
Yeah. Bit Johnny Farnham, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyrant, <laughs> Get back to school, Chipsy. We need you. <laughs> One Sunday, we need you. We need your jokes. One Sunday afternoon, Mr. Wicket, or Mrs. Wicket rather, that's the housekeeper who lets, well, she, he lives in her house. She's gone to town and he's all alone when the doorbell rang. Chips answered and a small and timid boy wearing a Brookfield hat walked in. The kid, whose name was Linford, asked to speak to Mr. Chips. And Chips invited him in and the kid said he was told that Mr. Chips had asked to see him. Chips realised that the new kid, who was uh, obviously new to Brookfield, had been pranked by the other students, which is apparently an old classic. <laughs> Mr. Chips wants to see you. Mm, okay. But he didn't. Do you, get, do you get what's going on there? This is a funny book. <laughs> funny stuff happens over and over again. Still funnier than all of his jokes. <laughs> Sending a stinker to see Chips. Yeah. So. But Mr Chips was friendly and played along, saying, oh, yes, I wanted to meet you. Meet you. Come on in. Chips spoke to him for an hour until he wrapped things up with his famous line, I'm sorry, you can't stay. He shook the boy's hand, said goodbye, and little Linford replied, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. End scene. Oh, End book. Does he fucking die then? Or <laughs> End me. Yeah. You're, you're praying that he dies. Yeah. Chips was taken aback thinking about how his young wife had once said those exact words to him. And we're all thinking, you'll never believe it, but the book about your life is going to be called that. That night, Chips had been found unconscious by Mrs. Wicket, having taken ill. The doctor was a liar. Mm. <laughs> He wakes to find a bunch of staff members from Brookfield standing around his bed and he hears someone say, Pity he never had any children. But upon hearing that, Mr Chips opens his eyes and says, I have had children. Thousands of them. And all boys. (laughs) The word boy appears 81 times in this book. It's crazy. Oh, you search, you search. I got the PDF from uh, Project Gutenberg because I was like, he said boys so much. It's eclipsed only by the word chips, which appears 161 times in the least delicious book ever. <laughs> so, of course, he's referring to his students being his boys. Can I say at this time, happy Father's Day, Mr. Chips? <laughs> thousands of them. And after this outburst, about thousands of boys. <laughs> Mr. Chips fell asleep whilst thinking of the students and naming as many as he can. Brookfield, that's the name of the school. (laughs) Whatever, Reginald, Keith, I couldn't... What? Turbo. Turbo. Cobra. (laughs) Never forget the Duke of Cobra. And the next day, Brookfield was given the news of Mr. Chippington's sad passing. A speech was made saying he'll never be forgotten, which the narrator remarks is absurd, as one day everyone is forgotten. (laughs) They they even make that grim. They make that grim. But the final line is, but little Linford, at any rate, will remember and tell the tale, I said goodbye to Chips the night before he died. End of book. (laughs) The end. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're applauding because it's over. Yeah. I'm glad too. That you is. Know. I mean, I bet ten pages in, you're thinking, oh, I wish there was a different book. That is... <laughs> it's not great, is it? Like, this is a resounding no from 
everyone, I think. What, um, Not that we're you... reviewing it. But, oh, no, we do review it. We, oh, okay. I always ask you to give it a score out of five and, and why, so you can absolutely oh, right, tell us. Chris, you had a question. Oh, I just kind of wanted to know if you did any, like, reading about, like, was there some big themes this was meant to be about? Like, what was this? I believe uh, growing up, James Hilton's dad was a teacher and it was sort of seen like a sentimental book dedicated to his own dad. Right. Right. So yeah, but it, but it was but it, so it was it was first put out in a magazine, but then it was a big hit, and like the first printing fully sold out, and there were many more after that. And a few years later, it was this yeah big hit movie. See, this is what you get when women aren't allowed to publish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow down. Eighteen comedy woman. Whoa. <laughs> they were. They just had to change their names to make it a, a little more palatable for <laughs> the rest of us to read. Yeah, in the movie they do a lot more with the love story of with Catherine. She's a much larger part of the book. You'd have to do something for yeah. for the movie <laughs> adaptation. Did you watch the movie? Uh, no. <laughs> I tried. There's no way you can really find it. I watched uh, different scenes on YouTube, and uh, it's the same character who plays young. I believe he won an Oscar for it too, Richard Donner, because he plays the young man and also the 85 year old man. So, pretty good. <laughs> Quite convincingly. Yeah. So I would have given you the Oscar over him, Chris. Thanks, I was pretty happy with yeah. it. Yeah, I thought I lifted the... Yeah, thanks. Luke loved it too. Built the dramatic yeah. tension. Yep. Yeah, wow, what a book. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Obviously, you didn't love it, I'm feeling it. But no. we usually give it a score. If I were an internet reviewer, and I'm not, because I'm not a sad loser. You know, <laughs> like, you know, if, um, like TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor, like good reads. This would be a, if I could give it a zero, I would. One wow. of those, you know, you can only go one to five on some things. Yeah. I think so. You give it a zero out of five. Look, it's hard not to take oh, that personally. Not a lot. Mm. I've got to give myself wiggle room in case I ever come back. It might be something even worse that you've found. So yeah, okay, right. I'll yeah. go with one and a half. One and a half, okay. Yeah. yeah. One and a half out of five. Chris, how are you feeling? Well, yeah, I think, yeah, that's not, that's not far off. Probably, yeah, like a one. Um, the, the thing... <laughs> that's probably a one. Yeah, I think, um, like, you've got to have light and shade, right? It can't just be... Boring story after bo- sadness. Boring, sad. You know, I, I care not for this man. Yeah. Right. And he's the lead. You know, like what do we? You got to give. And also, if someone's funny, you can't. It's show don't tell, right? You can't just say it was so funny and then it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> what was his best joke? Well, it's not. I thought it was a type of sausage. Okay. Yeah. All right. Honestly, that is probably the one that I thought, that's the closest thing to a joke. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So one, we've got a one, we've got a 1.5. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to personally, I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a three. Oh, you dog. <laughs> Which is very... I'm very positive on the show, oh, okay. I've got to say. Usually it's fours, fives, often... He's dead, mate. Half. Don't worry about it. Let's yeah, this could be the first two and a half. Oh, you've never gone below three oh. in 91 books. Yeah, ma- oh, maybe I have. Have I ever? Do you remember me ever going below a three? Anyone listens? Maybe. Could this be the worst? Book Why even ever bother done? having more than three stars? Just because you one, respect two, the craft. Yeah, that? that's right. That's a good on him. He wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to publish. I agree. Yeah, you know, I mean, exactly. It's <laughs> I'm gonna get. Maybe I'll give it a two and a half out of five, which is the worst the ever. The worst book ever. Yeah, okay. you've read. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be? <laughs> Well, at the live ones, I always get the audience to give it a score out of five as well via, via applause. I'm going to start at one and go the way, all the way up to five, but honestly, I feel like I should go the other way. Maybe I will. Yeah. All right. We'll start at five. Yes. So give us a round of applause if you think this is a five out of five book. Let me hear you. Five out of five. Anyone? Oh, good. Okay. 
You would have bashed them. <laughs> Probably. <Yeah. laughs> get the rod. Yeah. Go out there. Get the rod. nostalgic <laughs> rod, rod work. Yeah. All right. Four out of five. All right. Three out of five. Are we in anyone's wheelhouse here? Three out of five. Still on ones. Two and a half. Was I correct, anyone? Ah, that was a single clap. <laughs> single. Honestly, one. one okay. clap. I'm bringing it down. Not even one person clapping, just one clap from one person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So good. Cool. That's worse than nothing. <laughs> oh, well. Two. Okay. Was Heggy right with a 1.5? Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, one. Okay, we're bringing it down to a zero, anyone? Okay. All right. So what we've discovered here is that all of these people are nicer than us, but not as nice as yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And that's that feels about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two out of five. Okay. Wow. There we go. Well, that's it. That's goodbye. Goodbye to goodbye, Mr. Chips. I never, I never have to read that again. Good riddance, Mr. Chips. A bit of <laughs> a remake, yeah. Do you think? What about the '60s musical version? Do you think that could have oh, saved it with the, some songs? Did you listen to any of the music? No, I didn't. I must. It's got to be just dirges or something. It's be yeah. so depressing. Be so, you know, yeah. Can't be upbeat. It's not a Bollywood sort of thing. Is it? <laughs> I thought it was a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Well, that, that's, 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 oh. thanks so much for coming. That brings us to the, to the end of the podcast. Oh uh, you God. guys have, have some podcasts that people at home and also here can listen to. Yeah, I, I've got one called Chris and Sarah Wear the Pants with Sarah Gould and we look at old women's magazines and ask, has anything changed? Uh, very, very appropriate for, you know, the woman of the 1890s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, you found women from the, ni- from the 1890s that far back? Oh, 1840. I go, we've gone back to 1840, oh, 18, even 1820s. Yeah. Much difference between the 1820s woman and the 1890s woman? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I haven't read enough. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I've got a... Oh, sorry. Digressing. I've got a podcast called Mid-Flight Brawls about plane fights and... None of them are as bad as Mr. Chips. <laughs> like, these are people, like, doing bad shit on planes. That you like more. But you'd still rather hang out I with them than Mr. Much, Chips. Yeah. Much, more. <laughs> I prefer to go to jail with them <laughs> and not have Mr. Chips. As you know. I'd prefer no book in solitary confinement, I reckon, than yeah. Mr. Chips. Before <laughs> jail. Extraordinary. You've done something special here. Yeah, you? wow. <laughs> Good on you, mate. I can't believe it. The worst book we've ever found. I mean, I've been wanting to read more, but not now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've ruined reading forever. This could be the last episode of Book Check. I've given up. Can you believe that? The worst thing ever. No, a few books ahead. Don't worry. We've got some great episodes coming up. Please. Please don't give up on the show. Please. It gets better from here. We found rock bottom. We're bringing it back up. Yeah, this is more of a grim episode and... Um, Sorry, mate. I, like, you know... Well, we know didn't write it. No, no, exactly. Yeah. Still, we could have been... <laughs> yeah, this is more grim. And I've, just, I, just nothing. I've done the later on this show. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is more grim than that. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the, uh, end of the episode. Thank you so much for coming out. Can I have a big round of applause for Chris and Luke here tonight? Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Good Chat Comedy Club, for having us. I'll be back with another book, hopefully a better one soon. But until then, as I always say here, this is my sign-off. You're going to love this. I always say on the count of three, you can join in with me if you like. One, two, three. Books forever. Yeah. Good night. Thanks so much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.